0: Welcome to another episode of Inspired Artist Podcast with me, Porter Singer, a.k.a. Sirgun. if you are just meeting up with this at this podcast. And today I am speaking with Prem Vidu, who is an amazing percussionist. He is a super talented singer and songwriter. He's been performing with the band of Now in Phoenix for a while, and I've Collaborated with them because I used to be in Phoenix. And now he's doing his own original music and he's just released his first solo album called Encounter Medicine Songs from Ma. I'm going to be playing one of the tracks from that album, which is entitled Your Love Heals Me, at the end of the podcast. So stay tuned for that. Uh, This conversation takes many turns. We start off with some uh, research he's been doing into. Um, copyright, getting royalties, artist stuff publishing, uh, the different um, confusing topics that artists often meet with when they are about to release music for the first time. And myself, I've released music many times and some of these things still confuse me. Um, And then we actually take a deep dive into, you know, his past with uh, medicine ceremonies and taking different psychedelic substances and um his love life my love life (laughs) and um it it was a really fun conversation so i think you're going to enjoy this and again stay tuned till the end because you'll want to hear his new song all right here we go
1: I didn't know what we talked about if you wanted to talk about royalties or because that was kind of how this thing got started you know
0: yeah why don't you tell me about what you're discovering that realm okay
1: so royalties what the f yo? This like <laughs> crazy so you think you sign up with cd baby and they're like gonna go get all your royalties but like they they only get okay let me back up royalties <laughs> yeah, so like they only get one little slice it's crazy so you have Two sets of royalties. You have the artist who makes a product, the CD, the song itself, like the thing that you listen to. And then on the other side, you have the songwriter or publisher. So the the artist is distribution for the product, and the songwriter is the thing that's written on a piece of paper that's copyrighted. So these two streams. And on each side of the stream, you have mechanical royalties and performance royalties. And there's like sort of like six or seven categories t- total in all those. And then you need a company to collect all those royalties. Otherwise, they're just sitting on the table. You're not actually collecting them. And CD Baby, although your distribution royalties are the bulk of what you're going to get, like money-wise,
0: mm-hmm. it's only
1: a slice. You need sound exchange to do your, your performance rights, but that's on the artist side. And then you have BMI and ASCAP, which do performance rights on the publishing side, which is the songwriting side. And most of us are pretty familiar with that. But then who collects your mechanical royalties on the publishing side? That's what the, you know, the, our conversation started with, trying to get an, you know, a publishing administrator, which is what CD Baby Pro is or SongTrust or
0: yeah.
1: TeamCore. They all have these arms they're developing now to do this for the artist. Um, and they take fifteen percent for that, and they take nine percent from your distribution side. so so that, that was like a week of diving. you know every website has like sixty percent of the information, so you just have to like keep reading, keep reading, keep reading, you know, and realizing there's e- there's even certain areas where they don't collect any royalties. There are no mechanical there's, there are no um, mechanical royalties on public performances in America. Like if you hear your song on the radio at uh, on like an AM FM radio or in a bar or someone performs it live, basically that means that the list the listener doesn't get to choose your song. It's being played for them. Uh-huh. There's actually no distribution royalties on any of that. Only performance royalties on the publishing side, which then you have BMI or ASCAP to collect. So huh. that's how that started. And that was a whole week of that. But uh <laughs>
0: So, no, what did you choose for yourself?
1: I just went with CD Baby for the whole shebang. It, since it was my first CD, it just uh-huh. seemed like an easy way to go. And most of the administrative publishing companies, they all take 15%.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Now, I have a little bit of doubt because the one person I know who already did this said they didn't see any change in the royalties. And
0: uh, well, I have. I've seen like publishing a certain yeah. amount. Yeah. yeah it's, it took it a little looked- while though
1: publishing royalties are super small compared to distribution royalties Hmm. they're just on on a on a physical download like if you actually bought a cd it's technically nine nine point one cents per song Hmm. and so you know that's that that adds up i guess after time but uh and even it's like point zero 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 six percent of a cent for a stream So you Mm -hmm. need like a thousand streams to make 60 cents or something like that.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: So, and then these companies, they take 15%. uh, And so it's a little confusing because you get performance royalties free from BMI or ASCAP, but then you miss the mechanical royalties. So then you get a publishing administrator and they collect all of it and take 15 from the whole shebang. Mm -hmm. So the question is, is 15% of what BMI or ASCAP collects worth a tiny little bit you might collect on mechanical streams and downloads mm-hmm. uh, just on the publishing side. So as a new artist, I have no idea. But as someone who has, like, you know, a, lot, a prolific, a prolific, uh, you know, repertoire and been out in the world for a while, I would imagine it's quite a bit, you know, mm-hmm. especially if you play out, outside of the U.S. Mm-hmm. Because one thing the administrative publisher does is also collect the royalties outside of the U.S., your PRO is only US, the uh, administrator, excuse mm. me, the BMI or ASCAP is only collects in the US. So it's like who takes right. care of stuff in Europe or you mm. know, in Asia or something. So, mm. but that was a whole week long dive. It was pretty intense. Yeah. <laughs> I got lost on the rabbit hole. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. I, question I, upon I f- question. I find this, I, I find this confusing. Um, you know, I've, I'm probably just going to go back and use CD Baby as my, as my publisher because I'm, I'm uh, confused as to how to collect otherwise. But I did set up my own like publishing company. Um, is those... that through, through ASCAP? Mm-hmm.
1: So that is, I... that's considered a vanity publishing company. It exists only in ASCAP. So they don't actually do anything. A publishing company actually goes and gets your royalties. Right, okay. There's actually systems you can do this. There's something called Tune Registry for the really dedicated person. You can uh-huh. actually, as a single person, go sign up for every company in the world that collects royalties. But I guess uh-huh. it's an insane kind of process.
0: You mean so like you, they, they link you to each website? They don't so you send link your yourself.
1: Box. You actually sign up right. directly uh-huh. with like these different companies that collect royalties. You don't go through your distributor. You, have, you, you, would direct, you would connect to like iTunes and Spotify directly. You wouldn't use a distributor in between. Oh. And then there's companies around the world that collect royalties in all different countries. They're called neighboring rights organizations. And like you can actually sign, it's a big thing. It's so confusing. It just goes deeper and deeper and more complicated.
0: But so when you go on that website, the tune, what did you call it?
1: I think it's two registry.com. Te- there's Registry. a whole process. They teach you how to do it. I ha- I haven't gotten into it because I just okay. too much to take care of right now.
0: Well, you seem like you're more left brained than I am maybe. <laughs> you well, know. I got lost on
1: this rabbit hole for sure. So it was all left brain. Definitely. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's no creativity in understanding royalty law. So yeah. I like- really
0: want to be someone that understands that. And I feel like <laughs> I've just gotten a lot of mixed information, honestly, like the, The reason I went and started my publishing company was because somebody who was assisting me with marketing said that I could be my own publisher and I don't have to give 15% to you know to ASCAP or to, to CD baby.
1: Yeah, except your 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 what we call the vanity publishing company doesn't actually collect anything. It's just a it's it's like a shell entity that your ASCAP or BMI will pay you. Because to complicate things further on the publishing side you have songwriter and publishing company, which they divided up. It's just always been that way. These are all antiquated old models that are mm-hmm. from the days of where, you know, you got people who are songwriters their whole life and they just sell songs to artists. Yeah. You know, and then the, they usually work for publishing houses. So the publishing mm-hmm. house gets half and the songwriter gets half, mm-hmm. but us as artists now we get the whole thing.
0: Right. But we still just sign up for it separately.
1: Yeah. Well, yeah, that's, and then that's again why we go to like CD baby pro or something yeah. like that or, you know, or Song Trust is another one. So interesting.
0: Yeah. Did you do you did all original songs for this album, right? It wasn't mantra.
1: There's a t- there's a dash of mantra in, in there's one song I sing a ton of J Ma's on and then like I call the mother out like Jirga Lakshmi, and Saraswati. Uh-huh. And yeah.
0: And so. you regist- and you when you submitted that, did you call that an original composition? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah, I find that really kind of dicey too with the mantras like so (laughs) spirit voyage (laughs) registered my first ever did the first ever registration for me for any songs that I'd done mantra wise for in ASCAP and uh and that's why I was like oh yeah I have this ASCAP I should be putting all my music on there um and they wrote everything as uh, so they entered it for me right and they they wrote everything as original composition I thought that was really interesting. I'm like, well, I didn't write any of these mantras. But on the other hand, if I write, you know, Guru Nanak was the author of these lyrics, he's not getting any money for it.
1: There is a, there's like, I think, in, in the copyright law in America is like the person who, inher- after you die, uh-huh. gets I think your copyright lasts for up to 70 years and then it's public domain.
0: Yeah, yeah. So
1: these mantras are definitely older than, like, a couple generations. So, I mean, I don't know how that works. That's a really sure. good question I have not even thought about.
0: Well, there is, like, a public domain thing. You know, you can you can select public domain. Huh. But then you still have to write who the original author was, I think. And anyway, and for some of the mantras that I did, I, I really had no idea who to put.
1: That's a really good uh, point, though, for the next album, which is definitely going to be, like, all mantra or mostly uh-huh. mantra like this album is about 99% English with a dash of mantra, uh-huh. you know? And I don't think anyone's copyrighted J Ma or
2: <laughs> <any>
0: <laughs> goddesses
1: at least that no. I'm aware of. Yeah. So I guess they can come after me and get my pennies from me. because you know. <laughs> So we'll see.
0: Yeah. Apologize but, later.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I never even thought about that. That's a really good point. Just another, just another rabbit hole to fall down. So
0: yeah. Did, did you start this album like over a year ago? Well, the, al- the album
1: itself, the, the content arrived six years ago.
0: Okay.
1: And it's been around for a long time floating, kind of maturing and growing in me. And then last, was it last about a year, a year ago, February, I said, I got the hit that it was time to record it. And then I started contacting my, my friend Vito, who's going to be the producer. And we met for the first time right after Sotnam Fest, actually.
0: Hmm. Is and he Sonata's I- producer? no no how do I know that name Vito Do know?
1: That...
0: he I don't know he does a lot
1: of stuff he lives in Topanga Canyon do you know Kimberly Haynes he, he did her album recently yeah
0: Two years ago he's my Facebook friend
1: <laughs> yeah he's an amazing multi-instrumentalist and you know what's
0: his last name
1: Vito Grigoli
0: Ah, okay yeah, yeah. so and what he's was
1: a that like space player oh like my god wow. yeah no matter who I ever produce my records again, he will probably be the guy on bass and, you know,
0: <laughs>
1: which is pretty cool. So. so he
0: was playing live at Setnam Fest when you met him?
1: No, no, we met because we met he, 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 his friend Kimberly Haynes, he produced her, her first um, singer songwriter album as well. And they were doing a little tour to promote it and they came to Arizona and they were looking for a drummer. So they hired me. And it was really funny because her backup <laughs> band was Vito and Vidoo, and we got a really big kick out of it. <laughs> I actually like put that do. on the, I, <laughs> I actually used it on, on the back of my CD. All tracks performed by Vito and Vido. I just, it's cute. <laughs> so, and we all just fell in love with each other. So, um, they asked me to go on the rest of the tour, and I couldn't do it because I had previous obligations. But then I just filed it away. And uh, this particular CD was just a lot of words. It's really thick. A lot of storytelling, and that was a lot like her album. So I thought he just, it just felt like the right fit. He was, you yeah. had to fill it in. And oh, you know, cool. give, give my little babies the right costumes, you know, so to speak.
0: Mhm. So, how long did it take from start to finish? About
1: the recording process, we met in April and we did like a brainstorm. And then I went back and really hashed out the scratch tracks. And then I think the recording process was like six weeks, maybe five weeks. I, I drove out to, to Chipanga Chapanga Canyon like seven, eight times.
0: You don't mean April? You mean April last year, right? April last year. Yeah. Okay. April. I was like, wow, so that was, is. All
1: happened last summer. <laughs> The last, and then we did a record. Yeah, the recording finished in um, middle of August.
0: Okay.
1: And then we were going to take the month of September off because of like all the festivals that were happening then. And then my partner, and I bought a house and then we remodeled it. So I just disappeared and he got busy with other projects. So we swung back around and we finished the mastering a couple months ago. And
0: that's nice. It's nice to have a break between when you record and when you do the rest. I I find there's not so much pressure
1: super well and fresh ears you know like I I the whole time I was working on the house and I took three months off I didn't think about the music Mm -hmm. at all it was just really nice to like separate it so yeah step away it's kind of cool
0: so why did the all the inspiration come six years ago did something momentous happen
1: oh definitely So the album is really uh, songs that arrived during this really intense period where Divine Mother came into my life in a different, in a very concrete, undeniable way. It started at in 2013 and at Bhakti Fest actually. She just showed up playfully and then like she was like talking to me as if we're talking right now, like I could have conversation with her. And this understanding Divine Mother for me is like the truth in your heart, or Guru, or God, or your deepest truth in your heart. You know.
0: Do you mean like as like like you could hear a voice, you could see a figure, or or like she was coming through through people? It's hard to.
1: It, she was everywhere because she's okay. all, she's been very strong in my life, and I did a lot of medicine work specifically with ayahuasca. And to me, Divine Mother and ayahuasca are like one um, grandmother energy specifically. Let's,
0: let's put a little pin in that. We can back come to back. That.
1: We can circle back. <laughs> so it's hard to say like she's talking to me. It's like an intuitive talking, mm-hmm. but she showed up and she's like. She just suddenly came. I just felt this. She's like, What do you want? And I'm like, What are you talking about? (laughs) Like, I'm not someone who asks for a lot, you know? Mm -hmm. And she's like, What do you want? And I'm like, Okay, uh, I want a hug. And like, literally, 10 seconds later, someone walks by with the free hug sign. And I'm like, Oh, okay. I want to see an old friend I haven't seen for a while. And like, literally, 30 seconds. And like, I wasn't extravagant. I knew I felt like the assignment, I could just feel where she was coming from. She's like, Ask for anything simple, and I'm going to give it to you. And the exercise was, Look how close I am. Mm-hmm. Look how fast I respond to your heart, and then after that, um, I was on a road trip after Bhakti Fest, and I met this this woman. She literally, I was at Harbin Hot Springs, me, kind of meditating, and this beautiful woman literally just floated into my arms. <laughs> and, I looked, <laughs> and I looked down, and then I floated her for like two hours, and it started a, a relationship that was super intense, super intense. Um, and Divine, Divine Mother was giving me all these instructions, really just understand your heart, you know, sometimes my instructions, when they come, they're really clear, bless you, bless you, bless you, you're Thank so you. fast, you even muted,
0: I, I know when it's coming, and I'm, all, a I'm doing a podcast,
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, and then this relationship, we went through a lot of intense things, not because we were like, um, not in love or not doing, you know, not getting along, but just circumstances of life. And so the first track came in November, the second track came in December, the third track came in the next January, and then two months later, 10 more tracks came in one weekend, just like I was writing, 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 trying to capture all the lyrics as they came through. And then some, a few of the songs just didn't ever grow up. They were just like, you know, and one of the songs was just, for this woman who I was with at that time. It was just for her, mm-hmm. you know, when the relationship ended. And the instructions were very clear. They were like, you're gonna record these. This is my, it's like, it felt like more like, this whole project feels like a senior recital. <laughs> like Divine Mothers, I have an assignment for you. I need you to sing these songs. And like, some of these songs I've loved and hated some of the lyrics, cause I like, <laughs> all the judgments I have about myself are wrapped up in these lyrics, you know, she's like, you're going to sing them and you're going to sing them from your heart. And it honestly took six years for them to mature, for me to mature, really. So.
0: That's awesome.
1: Yeah. I hope people are touched by it, you know,
0: do you feel so I I feel sometimes like when I'm writing, I'll, I'll get a download, but I'll like second guess it. I'll try to edit it or I'll try to, you know, and, and I found myself doing that actually, like about an hour ago. And I was like, no, let's just see what happens. (laughs) And I wrote it out and I'm like, print or publish.
1: Yeah. I find it, I find it good for growth. When you land in a place that's uncomfortable, you're like, Mm -hmm. I don't like that lyric, but somehow your heart said it. And you're like, you kind of have to honor it,
0: Mm -hmm. you know? So. So what's it like to perform something that you feel uncomfortable
1: with (laughs) mostly uncomfortable (laughs) (laughs) you know over time i guess it just gets easier hopefully you know you own you own where you're uncomfortable and then that opens the the journey inward like, okay so why am i uncomfortable why am i resisting this lyric what am i what am i hiding or Mm
0: -hmm.
1: where's some secret shame or judgment or you know ultimately where's some secret pain Mm -hmm. which really just is you know ultimately a misperception but Being an eternal divine being, you can't really be hurt, ultimately. (laughs) Mm -hmm. The idea of me can totally be shattered, but like me, my essence, no. So somewhere in between my essence and the the false little drama I'm having is like this beautiful lyric that's trying to sort of bridge the difference.
0: Have you done them
1: live? Um, I've done a few of them over the years. Um, One of them, the May I Have the Strength, That got kind of turned into a kirtan song that we did once in a while, Um, but mostly not. They just came out once in a while. They were really just like cocooning the whole time, you know, until last Saturday, I performed three of them live on a a kirtan stream we did. So, but yeah, these are not, they really haven't been performed much. And like the album, it's a studio album and like Vito and I play tons of instruments. So it's it's really not something that I can recreate live. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, unless I have some crazy huge band and that would be really cool someday to have like some crazy band <laughs> and like uh, some backup singers like, getting down. That if would be another, really neat.
0: I would like a crazy huge band.
1: <laughs> Just once. I don't need it like forever. Yeah. Just to do some fun productions, you know.
0: I, I have to share the story of how we came to know each other a little bit better Um, because I knew, I knew of you and you had, we had played music together at Bhakti Fest, you know, a few times. And then again, at Sutnam Fest. And then for whatever reason, I asked you to come to the East Coast to play this, to play this gig, um, at the end of last October.
1: Across the country.
0: <laughs> Across the country. <laughs>
1: yeah, a beautiful little fall festival.
0: And I managed to pay for your ticket, um, and transportation and you know we were very well taken care of they gave us food and whatever but um I was going through a, a pretty like uh emotional time like right then and, and so was Andy who was also present to sing with us yeah and she stayed for the second day too I think right
1: yeah. She stayed for the
0: workshop. Yeah. Yeah. So we did one, one concert. So we did the concert, at the Millis yoga festival. And the next day at the, at the, um, at also, in, the like, in the ashram at my yeah. workshop. And what was so interesting about it was, you know, for what, was it like a week before, or you were saying you were thinking like, why am I coming out for
1: this? I'm like, there's gotta be some kind of drummer on the East coast. <laughs> like, Why did she fly me out? You know? I know my I know our mutual friend Monica is always like my biggest you know promoter so like maybe she planted a seed of some sort but yeah
0: I I, it was I think it was just so meant to be because I honestly could not it like did not cognate is that like it did not compute (laughs) that I could hire somebody on the east coast like that thought just never crossed my mind right well lucky me yeah so anyway you show up and it's like so obvious why you're there (laughs)
1: Yeah, we immediately just dropped in. Like, we never really had much of a conversation right up until that moment. Like right. you know, Other than like, hey, let's rehearse this music and we'll play, and then like, okay, thank you, bye.
0: Right. Yeah, and it we, was so funny. Did, I was hmm. like, you know, I'm I'm dealing with the, this drama of you know my my husband deciding that he wants an open relationship, and now I'm in this great relation other relationship, and yada yada yada. I'm I'm contending with like you know leaving my my husband or whatever, and. And in opening up this conversation, you were like, oh, I'm in an open relationship. And that was actually the first time I'd ever met anybody that told me that. Huh. So anyway, I thought that that was pretty cool. And then it turned out that you also became like coach for
2: Andy.
1: Uh, just a reminder of gentleness in her life. That's all.
0: Yeah, yeah. So That's it was kind of my message. Yeah, it was such a sweet like perfect perfect moment perfect little weekend it was really
1: sweet like you know just to come in and drop in with you I was like ah okay (laughs) like you (laughs) said it was abundantly apparent right away (laughs) and then as the weekend stretched on we're like oh there's more I see (laughs) I joke I joke I never go anywhere without two reasons so Mm
0: -hmm. Ah, okay
1: you know I never do I don't go to the store unless I have two reasons to go you know
0: like two different kinds of food or of course, so yeah, just and you useful. want corn yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> two reasons. as long as it's not just one it's very inefficient
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know but it was very sweet and I'm grateful so yeah and you had just you had just decided you were going to do these podcasts I think then you're like or you had just started or you were talking I had, about yeah
0: them. I had done a few yeah I remember because the week before um, the, the festival, I had like scheduled a whole bunch to record. Yeah. Yeah. That's okay. I remember. Cause I had free time.
1: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but you filled up. I did. <laughs> you, filled up. you filled up with lots of love. I did. Yeah. <laughs> still loving. The fruits are still, there's, the fruits are still happening. If I understand correctly.
0: Yeah. Yeah. We are, we are here. I am, uh, fully transitioned into the, the new, um, paradigm of my life and uh and it's nice it seems like uh everyone has so yeah lovely yeah so you want
1: to circle back on the medicine talk
0: yes i was I'm gonna very I was excited about that gonna remember so please oh, that's fine yeah. whatever like, so what, also, what do you want to know about that D- tell <coughs> me about your experience why do you do it what what do oh, you
1: goodness about? so let's see I always understood, I don't know why, but I always had this belief that psychedelics and consciousness expansion were just, they go hand in hand. I just always did. And have I you seen like, that I,
0: documentary? Have you seen one, one on Netflix? It's called, I think it's just called Psychedelics. I have not. But I, I was talking to Juan, my partner, about, I was like, Do you know I knew Zach, this guy named Zach Leary for like seven or eight years, 10 years maybe, and I never knew who his father was. <laughs> And then, like ten minutes later, he shows up on the screen, giving an you know doing an interview about this thing. It's a really great documentary. You should check it yeah. out. But I proceed.
1: No, that's fine. I'll check it out. Um, it's really great that psychedelics are coming out as medicines, and there's there's places around this uh, this country which are you know decriminalizing these things. These things are not drugs. These are medicines. You know, of course, any medicine can be abused, but that's a different story. So my story started like I had a. I had an itch to uh, <laughs> discover psychedelics. After I d- graduated college, I was pretty straight edge all the way through college. And then after college, I was like, okay, I'm an adult, now I can do what I want. You know, I've at least <laughs> proven to the world that I can show up and take care of what needs to be taken care of. And so, yeah, I, tried, I think I tried mushrooms and ecstasy and LSD the summer after um, I graduated college. Hey, you didn't waste any time. But, no, I was ready you know and it it was clearly amazing and then you know it was like a year or two later that i had a dear friend once come up to me and said you ever heard of ayahuasca and i was like i what <laughs> you know and this is kind of before it hit the hit the scene here in america and he's like this is crazy as Peruvian potion you drink like a thimble and you you almost go like go crazy but you have this like shamanic journey and i'm like let's do it <laughs> and like this guy my friend my dear friend oh god i love him he is a we were psychonauts for many years together, as they say. And we were through the analog years, uh, which were the early 2000s, where they were making all kinds of psychedelic chemicals and then changing the molecule before the government could catch up legally. So we were legally doing lots of psychedelics, getting made from China, but that's a whole nother story. But just to give you a background of his and I relationship, dear friend, we did a lot of uh, exploring together. So he says, I got this stuff, we'll make it, we'll go to the woods. And so, we went to the woods. We drank. We drank like a tiny little bit. but like,
0: you know, oh, you like, did
1: it yourself. Like you, you no. Know, like he stuff? had bought this stuff off the internet. You know, he didn't. He's a, he was he's an incredibly smart person. Like insane oh. IQ. I mean, physicist. He worked for CERN and you know Fermilab, where they collide atoms and stuff. I mean, like, he he's ahead. Mm-hmm. And so I trusted him. And then so we're just like, we go out to the woods and like, we we're like set an intention and in a prayer. We're like spirits, please protect us. You know, <laughs> like we don't know what we're doing. But you know, what's in our hearts. Mm-hmm. So we take it and then nothing happens and then we take it and nothing happens. and Nothing really happened like on that level, but the craziest story, and this is, I love this story. So he's like, you know, we, we end up drinking all the stuff we made and we're just kind of like just a tiny little bit relaxed, which is, it's, a, which is a side effect of an MAOI. M A O I. I forget. It's a monooxid something inhibitor. It's what allows the medicine and the DMT to not be broken down in your stomach. I'm forgetting the word right now. If it's oh, my head. Okay. I haven't said it for years, so it's like. Is that what mouthful.
0: ayahuasca is? Is DMT?
1: Yes, it's actually two plants. One is the leaf that that has the DMT, and one is the vine, which is considered the shaman, which is where the spirit of the plant lives. But there's no psychedelic nature in the in the vine. But it contains a chemical which allows you to not digest this psychedelic which is basically like the you know Star Trek translator it opens up the portal and it keeps Mm -hmm. it open so you can communicate with Mm -hmm. this you know this what I call grandma we call Mm -hmm. grandmother spirit you know divine mother for lack of a better word but nothing happened that first night except I was visited by my very first spirit guide and this night was the beginning of what I consider my spiritual journey so I'll tell you this story just because it's fabulous so we're, he's like, finally, let's roll a doobie. So he's like, he rolls a doobie and we're smoking and we're happy and we're looking at the trees and it's beautiful out. And like a meteorite from heaven, this gigantic moth comes, crashes into our fire and the fire like shoots up and the moth goes boosh, 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 on fire off the fire pit. And we're like, you know, like, what the F? And we're like, okay, that thing was on fire. I think I should go put it out of its misery. And I go around the fire pit and the shadow was so dark. It could have been an inch deep. It could have been a, a bottomless pit. I couldn't see anything. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to let nature do its thing. So he, he and I are there contemplating like, wow, what is a moth? Like, does a moth's life suck that bad? Or it's like, maybe it just, you know, or maybe it's just like surfing, the, surfing lifetimes. surfing are like just jumping through the portal of death. Like, no problem. We got this. They're just, don't forget, right? They're just flying through death. So we didn't know. Anyway. So then 20 minutes goes by and this thing crawls up onto the, the fire pit. We're like, it's alive. <laughs> Yay. You know, we celebrate. But one wing is singed and you can see it's moving its wings really slowly and it's like shuddering. And we're like, oh. And after about 15 minutes, it starts going. <laughs> we're like, it's going to fly. And it goes right to the center of the fire. <laughs> Gone. No smoke, no ash, like purple flame. Like we're like. <laughs> and I'm like, What? And I hear this, I am the moth, I am eternal, my commitments go beyond death. And I was like, whoa, that blew my mind. I actually wrote a song about that, but that's not on the new album. But um, so that was the night of my initiation. And then three months later, I was a part of a group called Chicago Consciousness Cafe, which was a group of all age people who gathered to talk about psychedelics as a tool for awakening. And their assignment was to read Terrence McKenna. And okay. now I can talk about Terrence McKenna for days. He's such a quirky little character. <laughs> to, to just summarize, I read his Archaic Revival. And in that book, he says, if you take five grams of mushrooms or more, you will meet the alien intelligence that sent mushrooms to Earth. And I was like, Terrence, you just can't make statements like that. because, like, <laughs> I had a very good relationship with mushrooms at that point. At
0: mm-hmm. that point, that
1: had been my main spiritual tool.
0: And is five grams a lot?
1: It's a lot. It's what you call a heroic dose, where you, okay. you are not functionable. Like, you, it, it takes you over.
0: Heroic dose. All right.
1: That's what it's called. Yeah, I mean, that's what he calls it. Yeah. And so, and I had just gotten some mushrooms in my life, and I pulled one out, and it was gigantic. And I said, we're well, going to talk, and I put them away. I didn't know what I was saying. And so that November, my friend, the same friend, he sat for me. We went out to that same place, that same location, which became a pilgrimage for 10 years, that location in Kentucky. And I took this mushroom and I proceeded to meet divine mother for the first time in like a very real way. Like she showed up and she was not like the mother. She was the benevolent gardener and she held me to her bosom. And I never knew love like that before that moment in this life anyway, Mm -hmm. this body. And I bawled for three hours and I journeyed to the, so many beautiful visions and perspectives and, um, The next day we went to the cafe, the the consciousness cafe to share. Okay, here's my research. I actually put him to the test and I met a woman who would then introduce me to the guy who would introduce me to ayahuasca.
0: Hmm.
1: And so that next year I sat with him three times and he moved away. And I was like, ah, we got to keep this going. He's like, well, I have a student here. I'll give the medicine to him. I talked to the student. He's like, well, I don't want to organize. So I started doing the organization, Hmm. putting all the groups together, spaces, all the stuff. And then he left. <laughs> and so I went and visited the first guy, studied with him, for, not studied with him, but just worked with him for a week. He just wanted to know where my heart was. He's like, mm-hmm. he's like I, your heart's good. I'm going to give you the medicine. I got one batch of medicine, and this was coming from Peru. And let me just sidebar here. So this guy, and I'm not using names just because I want to be respectful of everybody's privacy, but this guy got introduced to ayahuasca because he's a doctor in Chicago at the time and a chemist. And some friend says, hey, I have this guy from Peru. He's a shaman or something. He needs a place to stay for a few weeks while he gets settled because he's trying to move to the United States. Well, these two ended up living together for two years. And so he got totally inundated with ayahuasca. Mm -hmm. And this was a shaman who was coming from Peru where it was all light and dark magic and a lot of occult kind of energy. And he was trying to get rid of that. He's like, no, it's all one thing. It's all love. Mm -hmm. And so he would tell me stories that they would just drink ayahuasca in the hot tub and like philosophize all night and journey together where they soak in a hot tub. I mean so totally. they weren't out throwing of the, up. What's that?
0: They weren't throwing up.
1: They might have been they but been. Who, I don't think in the hot tub but I mean yeah. he didn't give me all the details he, and you don't throw up every time for the record. Uh, okay. It's 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 not an every time thing you know it happens when it happens and sometimes it doesn't. Like I worked with the medicine for 12 years. I had sometimes two years go by where I didn't. And then I had a time for every ceremony that year, which was yeah. something like 50 a year. And I'll explain why there was so many. I threw up every time. I purge. It's not throwing mm-hmm. up. It's purging.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It's a sacred. It's a sacred happening. I lo- I love it. But, you know, most people hate that sort of thing. So anyway. I went to, I met him, he gave me the medicine, and we got, I got one batch of medicine. I did my very first ceremony, and this was me leading ceremonies now. And what he told me, he's like, what you, the only thing you need to lead ceremony is an open heart. And the rest, I let the medicine teach me. She taught me ceremony. So, over the, and the, so then after that first batch of medicine, the medicine that was getting sent from Peru, it got compromised. The person sending it got in trouble. Hmm. So we raised a bunch of money, got them out of trouble, but then no more medicine. Hmm. And so then I started ordering ingredients online, initially from the Netherlands of all places, because they were importing it from Peru, and then I was getting it from the Netherlands. Hmm. Who knew, right? And that lasted like a year and a half, and I taught myself how to start making medicine. And, I, and the medicine was really teaching me ceremony. You know, there was a call, there was a, opening, a call for opening the space and that came from this original shaman and it was like it's a ketchwa call it's a really rare call and it does the directions in a different order it calls to south for release to the great serpent it calls to the west for the jaguar for strength and integrity the north to the ancestors for knowledge and to the east for vision and for traveling beyond yourself and then to the mother and the father so it's a little different but
0: is there a different protocol for imbibing or not taking the medicine when you're Leading the ceremony? Mm, no, no, no. So it's I like took, you're in it.
1: Yeah, I took the medicine. It, up until my very last year and a half of serving, I would take just a tiny bit just to, just to be communing with it. Mm-hmm. And, the, and the last six months, I didn't take it much. But this was all... So over the 10 years of serving medicine, she started in the beginning. She's, she gave me all my instructions. She's like, you do this, you do this, you do this, you do this. And I just was, okay, okay, okay. And over time, she's like, cool, you have this area. Why don't you can do what you want now? So I let you have it.
0: Mm-hmm. it
1: you know, by like seven years in, she let me have the whole ceremony. The only thing she wouldn't let me change was the call to space. Mm-hmm. Everything after that, she was like, you, you understand enough now? you can have it. And during that time, I met Primbaba,
0: mm.
1: um, Brazilian guru, um, such a lineage in Rishikesh, And he was a shaman. He still is a shaman. You know, he was a shaman at 16 with the Central Daime Church. And so I meet this guru who does, you know, medicine. And that's how I met him. He was actually traveling in the US doing medicine at that time. He does not do that anymore. I don't think mm. he does much medicine anymore, except back at his ashram in Brazil. Mm. And so I had the distinct pleasure of being in brazil with him once and learning how to brew with him which was like a whole nother thing and i was making ayahuasca and they make daimy, which is a slightly different process and then i went back and he gave me his blessing to do whatever i wanted he's like do what your heart says he's like divine mother's got you, <laughs> you know. he recognized like one of the first things he said to me he's like you're fine just just listen to ma and i'm like okay cool i mean how cool is that your guru says that <laughs> and so yeah, I, I just, over the years, I refined my process, and I refined my ceremony, and I, and I was doing about 50 ceremonies a year, traveling, and, you know, I would travel for a month in the mainland and do two, two ceremonies a weekend, and then um, take a month off back in Maui and make medicine, and then go back on the road, and then it's five years ago, actually this month. <laughs> I, I must be talking about it i'm officially out of the um statutes of limitations so thank you <laughs> it matters it really matters because you know when i so i was finished serious was, i'm very serious
0: oh okay how does that work
1: well you have five years you know dmt is a schedule one drug seven years one dose and i did thousands <laughs> 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 but i'm officially past the mark so
0: yeah yeah thank goodness. Um, so interesting that yes classification
1: yeah well these days it's really it's it's in the open now people are doing it advertising on facebook but when i was doing (laughs) it it was there was a there was a lot of it was hush hush i Mm -hmm. i joked that i lived with the mycelium under the earth i never stuck my head up i just lived in the darkness Mm. stayed very small i didn't put myself out on social media lots i just Mm -hmm. i didn't have to it was all by email and that was it but nowadays it's a little different and it's really great for the culture itself and for the medicine and for the people who need it. But yeah. so five years ago, she comes to me the medicine right after a ceremony and I was feeling I was gonna need a break. I'd taken a few breaks over the years and I was feeling crunchy and I was like, okay, that's a sign that I need to step away and like process.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I was cleaning up ceremony and I was what's what's called is re-re-jarring uh, the medicine, which is you reboil it because it ferments immediately. And if you don't reboil it, it turns to vinegar. <laughs> like, no no bueno and so i was cooking it and i'd done this i don't know thousands and thousands of times i mean thousands and i went to the sink and put it under the warm water again thousands of times and it exploded (laughs) i mean the jar exploded Mm -hmm. now it was crazy because i was like i stopped i froze I checked to make sure there wasn't glass. All the glass went in the sink, and all the medicine shot across my friend's kitchen. (laughs) And my arm, and my neck. Now this was crazy. I cleaned up the kitchen, and it was hours later, and I had this stunning realization. I had like a tiny little bump on my wrist. I'm like, why is that itching? And what you don't realize is when you're canning, you're boiling. It's boiling liquid. Mm -hmm. So I'm gonna give you the timeline. Okay, it's boiling. I'm pouring it into the jar. the lid on walk over to the sink boom and it was on my arm like covering my forearm i should have no skin on this arm yeah so she in that moment she's like alternate reality where physics don't work exactly the same and she's like i just want you to know we're done and she wasn't nice she's like thank you we're done (laughs) and i'm like okay wow my whole life just changed What's happening? Mm -hmm. And like, to me, that little sign that she did not burn my arm off was like, thank you for your service. I just want you to know how much I love you. But I also wanted to make it very clear (laughs) that you don't mess with me. And I was like, okay. (laughs) (laughs) And this was such an amazing gift, because everything that I had identified with, who I was, how I got adoration, how I got love, how I got purpose, how I got value, how I was even supporting myself. It was not, I didn't make a lot of money, that wasn't the point, but I did support myself. My lifestyle, everything I was identified with almost, or like, you know, 18 out of 20 identities, all just went, and I was completely like, who the hell am I? (laughs) I just heard her laughing, you know? And the instructions was, it's time to sing. Hmm. It's time to sing and it was right before that that i actually moved from maui to the mainland because my heart's like it's time to sing so crazy enough anyway and
0: and you landed in arizona
1: i landed i was shooting at sedona and then there was a there was a friend who brought me down to phoenix and like i wanted to ironically my prayer was to sing more and so divine mother's like here's phoenix where there's the fifth largest city in the country where there's no kirtan happening right here you go get to work so
0: so was Monica chanting at that time?
1: She was not. She had been chanting throughout the years, but she was she was uh, dealing with some health issues at the time, and she had sort of been out okay. of commission for three or four years, I think. am
0: understanding the chronology now. Okay.
1: Yeah, there was like three. I think she was out, and I didn't know her right away then. But
0: Yeah. So when I first met you, you were coming from Maui to Bhakti Fest? Or were you always in Phoenix?
1: No, I was in Maui, I think, when we first met. Okay. I don't know. I don't know exactly remember what year we met, but yeah. Yeah. So. That's a very short condensed version. I'm of the sure. All I can say it is the update to the medicine. Divine Mother hasn't changed in me. Instead of using a nuclear bomb, which is kind of what ayahuasca is to me, mm-hmm. it's so powerful. Now that I use mantra and like, you know, yoga, which is more like a scalpel,
0: mm-hmm.
1: more articulate. And it's like, and I don't need that much energy to move. When I like,
0: feel it's necessary. And not- when do I
1: feel it's necessary?
0: For somebody, like if somebody's listening to this and going, "Hmm, I've been curious about this. I wonder There's if..." There's only
1: I'm one gonna... time when it's necessary: when your heart says, "Let's do it."
0: Uh-huh.
1: If you're questioning it, it's a no. Unless it's a full yes, don't do it. And if it's a full yes, do it and surrender. <laughs> that's the that's the main lesson in ayahuasca: is surrender, because it takes you over. Mm-hmm. I mean, when you're retching your brains out and you can't stop and like, you know, you just surrender to that process. You surrender to everything she's gonna show you. You surrender Mm -hmm. to whatever she wants, wherever she wants to take you, you know, terrifying ecstasy or, you know, like just plain old death. She takes you through all of it. And, you know, after 12 years of doing it and some 400 ceremonies, like, I wouldn't change a thing. I wouldn't be who I am. Like I wouldn't have the love in my heart without her. You know, she wouldn't be living in my heart the way she's living in my heart if I hadn't prepared the vessel through all yeah. that work.
0: Mm-hmm. Something.
1: that's
0: cool.
1: Yeah, it's pretty cool.
0: <laughs> when you mentioned Prem Baba, I thought about this documentary that my—I'm not even sure how to describe her relationship to me. It's my dad's soon-to-be wife's daughter, um, and she You're just soon produced my soon-to-be sister-in-law. Um, <laughs> She just produced a film with, I think, a couple of other people that's a documentary on Pranbaba. Baba. Have you seen it? No. It's called Chasing the Present. So no, it hasn't been, know, like, officially released, but, yeah.
1: You know, he had a little fall a couple of years ago, too, like so many gurus.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But his
1: was, like, pretty gentle. I mean, like, re- respectively, you know, compared yeah. to something like what we're hearing now about Yogi Bhajan, for instance. Right, you know?
0: right.
1: You know, and that was a, let me just talk about that for a second. That was a really powerful experience to have, to watch that happen. And how beautiful that our gurus fall. Mm -hmm. Thank goodness. The destroyer of pedestals and the destroyer of holes. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Like after he had it, I actually had a dream where I saw his white tower fall and shake the ground so hard that all the pedestals in in the world crumbled and filled all the holes. So then we were all equal. It was done. It was really profound. Yeah. How else will we discover that we don't trust God unless our gurus fail us?
0: Yeah.
1: So great lesson. Anyway, but I love yeah. Prim Baba. I hope to see him again soon, actually.
0: Yeah. Is he continuing to teach? And Oh, yeah.
1: He's, he's definitely still doing his work. He took some time and you know integrated that whole process. But he's still got plenty of followers and plenty of disciples, although I don't consider him my guru. Mm-hmm. He's definitely my friend and teacher.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, the truth is, is uh, four years after I was with him, or started really being with him, Divine Mother, she's the one who sent me to him.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: She came in and literally one night, she gave me that, she gave me like this, she went, boom, she gave him a little hip and like knocked him out of my heart. And she's like, that's my seat. Thanks for keeping it warm. And she sat <laughs> down in it. And that's when he became my friend. And he actually calls me his friend now. He doesn't call mm-hmm. me his disciple.
0: Oh, interesting. Yeah, he
1: recognized. He called me his friend first, and I was, like, really confused. I'm like, oh, well, I'm not your friend. And then, like, six months later, I was like, oh, thanks for the seed. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Pretty cool. That's cool. I mean, it's, when, you, when you were saying that, you know, it was so cool that he just told you to basically trust your own guidance. And, uh, I mean, that's what I think a good teacher is there for, right?
1: yeah it, if, if the teacher's really good they become obsolete
0: yeah
1: they make their they, they just like ayahuasca she told me at the end she's like you don't need me i'm like i did my job I'm like you now go to the next thing
2: yeah
1: you know like, prim bob is the same you know he's he's so beautiful so, so i really cool. do love him to just like crazy so
0: well vidu if people want to find out more about you and your music how can they connect with you
1: Right on. Thank you for asking. Um, you can, the web, my website is premvidu.com, just like it's spelled, P-R-E-M-V-I-D-U.com, and um, you can go on Facebook, Premvidu and the Band of Now, you know, the Band of Now being sort of the kirtan arm of what I do. It's actually much more deep than that, but it's really a concept of uh, creation working together, but that's another whole story, I imagine. But people can find me. I'm out there. Honestly, Prem Vido, I'm just blessed with Google because there's no other Prem Vido's in, in like Google. I'm already at the top of Google. So if people want to find me, they can find me. I'm definitely out there. I awesome. see your kids. Hey, buddy. He wants to get in there. Hey, you're getting so big. <laughs> <laughs> I'm
0: just four.
1: Yeah, but you're like a big four.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah? Okay.
0: <laughs> Whoa. All right. Bye say
2: bye love to you me. all love bye. you bye <laughs> when I met you for real you challenged me through my fears and set my heart free to prepare the home and the vessel and give my desires to love oh how you challenged me as you were waiting Inside of me, sacred mile. Your love it heals me. Jai Durga, Jai Lakshmi Ma, Jai Saraswati, Jai Ma Jai Ma Jai Ma. Jai. me má dě se má má blessing without shame to receive this blessing what a glorious